Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. We're going to begin a new series this morning entitled Identity Theft. Do you know that you have a greater chance of your identity being stolen than of your car being broken into and your house being robbed? Last year, one in five people lost money to scams. Over 33% of adults have had their identity stolen in one way or another. There's a new victim of identity theft once every two seconds. But there is a greater identity theft going on than all of this. And that is this. Satan wants to take from Christians their identity so that they live like people instead of Christians. He takes away from you who you are in Christ so that you will just live a normal life like everybody else. And when you forget who you are, and when you forget whose you are, you lose your life. So we're going to talk about how your identity comes to that place of understanding. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.10, once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were just a regular human being, but now you're the people of God. Do not let Satan steal that from you. Because when you do, you live beneath your identity of who you really, really are. Because you see, your identity develops you. It defines you. It puts you in a place where this is who you are. This is what you're like. This is what you do. And knowing who you are And living up to the identity that God has given to you causes you to be successful in Christ. Causes you to have that life of joy and peace. Because it's when you forget who you are that you make bad decisions, isn't it? It's when you forget whose you are that you do things in life that hinder you and hurt you rather than help you. And so we're going to talk today about what that means and how this develops me and how it works within me. And we're going to look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to break it down for you to give us some idea of here's who we are, and I need to never forget that and never let Satan steal that from me. 1 Peter writes this, you're not like that. You're a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness until his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your neighbors, your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. They will give honor to God when he judges the world. So let's break this down. Let's look at this so we can understand who we are. First of all, I am extremely valuable. I am extremely valuable. As a Christian, I am extremely valuable. So are you. Unless you think it's just me. So are you. Notice what he says, verse 9. He says, you're not like that. 
you're a chosen people, you're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. That makes you valuable. In Deuteronomy, here's what God told the children of Israel. You're a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. All of, the, of all the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Now, what determines the value of something? I have in my possession a uh, card. It's, it's not a baseball card. It's a golf card. And it's Tiger Woods' rookie golf card. All right? I like golf. I like cards, too. So if I go to a magazine, I can look at that magazine, and it will tell me the value of that card. Let's say it says, that card is worth $75. I can come to you and say, I've got this card. For some of you, it would go, wow, that card's really valuable. I bet it's worth $200. For others of you, it's a piece of junk and trash. Why don't you just throw it away and put it in your bicycle and use it as a, you know, a thing? You know, it, you, it all have a different value. You could tell me it's worth this. You could tell me it's worth that. The magazine might tell me. You can go online. They say, well, the cards are only worth $50. I can say, hey, the card's really valuable. I think it's worth $300. We all have this opinion of what value is made. You have all kinds of people telling you what your value is in life. But you know what determines value? The moment I sell that card for five bucks. What's that card worth? Not what I thought. Not what you thought, it's what I got when somebody paid for it. The worth of that card is five bucks. Values determined by what somebody will pay for it. Jesus Christ came to this world, sent by God to pay for you. You are so valuable to him that he was willing to send his son so that you and I could be saved and set free. That's how valuable you are to God. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says about your value in life. You never forget how valuable you are to God. Because if you do, and you listen to somebody and tell, somebody tells you you're a piece of junk, and you believe that, you know what's happened? Satan has stolen your identity. He's tried to get you to believe you're something that somebody else says you are, or that you think you are, rather than what God says you are. And God says, look, of all the people on the earth, you are my special treasure. I love you. You're valuable to me. You matter to me. In Ephesians chapter 1, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. My life matters to God, and I'm valuable to him. And no matter what anybody else says about me, 
they don't know who I am in Christ. And what God has said about me is who I am, not what somebody else says. Because he paid a price for me. And that was a high price. That was a big price. It's more than I think I'm worth. But he was more than willing to pay it because I am in his sight extremely, extremely valuable. Never forget your value to God. And the moment you begin to diminish who you are, Satan is at work trying to steal your identity because he wants you to think that you're worth nothing. God wants you to think you're worth everything. I am valuable. We are valuable to God. Never forget it. Secondly, I am an example for others. God says, look, not only do I want you, but here's what I want to do. I want to put you on display. You know, I I want you to, you know, if I I take that little card that I've got and put it in a little plastic container or something and seal it up, and you walk into my house, and right in the front door, as soon as you walk in on an easel, sets that card. Look what I got. Bet you don't have one of those. Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? Bet you wish you had one, didn't you? Nah. He says, look, I want you to represent me on this planet. What? Me? Uh, You could choose somebody better. Hold it. Don't forget your value. Don't forget how much you're worth. I choose you. But I'm not, don't, don't let Satan do that to you. You're worth everything. I want you to be displayed to the world. I want you to be an example. Here's what he says, verse 9 in 1 Peter chapter 2. As a result, because he did that, because he paid for that, because that was the value he gave to you, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Wow. God, you know, there's a lot of other people better. No, 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 you. Well, but I don't, you, but I can't, you. I want you to represent me in this world. I want you to be my example. I choose you. Well, couldn't you choose somebody? I choose you, but I've chosen you. We've all had the excuses, haven't we? And when we do that, what are we doing? We're losing our identity, aren't we? Satan's robbing us again, isn't he? You, you're not an example for anybody. Think about what you've did. Think about how you've acted. Think about all the things you, you can't do that. You shouldn't Think about all of that. And what he's doing is trying to get you to forget who you are in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
you could be just a hair more excited about that than you are, you know. That, boy, okay, the old is gone, a new life has started. All of this is a gift from God. I didn't earn it. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. Why? Because we're so valuable, right? And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Hey, you know what God did for me? You know who I am? He can do the same thing for you. I want you to see how great he is and how much he cares. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Wow, I'm glad for that. But Satan's going to tell you, you'll never get over that. You did that, so that defines who you are. You're worthless. You're not a Christian. And he's trying to steal your identity, isn't he? Okay, stay, don't lose me here. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God says, look, you're so valuable to me that I'll pay the highest price possible so that you can be mine. Whatever it takes for me to adopt you into this family, whatever it takes for me for you to become my child, I will pay it, I will do it because I, I care about you and you are this valuable to me and you're so valuable to me that I want you to represent me in this world and I want others to be able to see me in you as you live today. And Satan will do everything he can to get you to think you can't do it, you shouldn't do it, you don't deserve to do it, and he will beat you up trying to tell you, just forget it, you'll never make it. He wants to steal your identity of who you are. Philippians chapter 2. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That <laughs> says, I want to use you and I'll tell you what I'll do. I will help build within you a desire and I'll give you the ability to do what you need to do. I'll help you. You don't have to do this on your own. I'll be more than willing to assist you in helping you live a life that represents me. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I'm just pausing for effect for a moment. No one can say to you, no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. That's us. 
That's us. The world seems to be getting darker and darker, doesn't it? But in the midst of the darkness, God has looked around and said, I choose you. And I want you to represent me. And I want you just to let your light shine. And I want you just to be the example. You can do it. I'll help you. I want to use you so that you can be a witness to others so that they can see the greatness and the goodness of God. And anytime you believe that you don't, aren't qualified, anytime you believe that you can't do it, anytime you believe that you don't have the qualifications to do it, you don't, you don't ever make it, that there's people better, it is Satan trying to steal your identity from you of who you are in Christ. Got it? All right. Thirdly, I am eternally loved and entirely forgiven. Eternally loved. God never stops loving me. He always loves me. Well, God's mad at me. He loves me. You know, I'm going to pay for this. I'm entirely forgiven. It's over. It's done. He's forgiven me. Notice what he says, Philippians chapter 2, chapter, verse 10. Once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you receive no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Mercy simply means this. I don't get what I deserve. Now, the enemy is going to kind of tell you, God doesn't love you. He hates you. If God loved you, he wouldn't be treating you like this. If God loves you, you wouldn't be going through this. If God loves you, he would have stopped that. If God loved you, you wouldn't be in this position and... You're unlovable. Besides that, you're guilty. Look at the things you've done in your life. Look at how bad you've been. Look at the poor decisions you've made. Look at the mess you've made. Look back over the past when there are all the regrets that you have. You don't deserve any of this. You'll never do that. What's he trying to do to you? Steal your identity. Satan all of those things you say about me are true. But God loves me and God has forgiven me and I am a new person and the old is done and the new has come and he's going to use me because he cares about me and he gives me his mercies that are brand new every morning. All the time. And Satan, that's who I am. I'm forgiven and I'm loved. And God never stops loving me for a moment. And God never stops forgiving me. And he's got plenty to forgive. But he keeps forgiving. 
Titus chapter 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. Anybody relate to that? This past week, relate to that? Yeah. We were misled and we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. We were misled. Satan, stealing, taking it away. Our lives were full of evil, envy. We hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done. I don't earn salvation, but because of his mercy. We have trouble with mercy because we're not very merciful people, are we? We want people to get what they deserve, don't we? Especially when they've done it to us. But God says, I'm going to give you mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. God always loves me. God's always with me. And God is a God of great mercy. And he's able to forgive and forget. And he's able to go on. Now, here's the thing. When Satan's trying to get, rob you, here's what he'd tell you. He'll never forget what you've done. He'll keep bringing it up to you, won't he? And you keep bringing up the past and all the things you've done and all the mistakes you've made and everything going on. And he's just trying to get you to beat yourself up so that you won't be the person that God wants you to be. He's trying to steal that from you. But you need to remind him, yes, I am guilty, but I also am forgiven. And I am a recipient of God's grace and God's mercy. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I am loved by the Father. And he always loves me and he never stops and he always forgives me when I ask him and he comes to me time and time again and I am set free. And Satan, that's who I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner who is demonstration of the mercy of God. I am forgiven and I am loved. And if there's ever a moment in your life when you have a thought that says, nobody loves me, that is the enemy trying to steal who you are because God always loves you and never stops. And I am loved by God and I am forgiven and I get to walk in that awareness of who I am. Boy, that's freedom, isn't it? Freedom. But he doesn't stop there. I am excluded from the world. I'm excluded from the world. Now, he uses some great words here in in, uh, 1 Peter, verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners. In some versions, it says aliens. Well, that explains a lot about what I thought about there, doesn't it? 
temporary residents, foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Satan wants you to give in to the worldly desires. He wants you to live like everybody else. He wants you to come to the place where I can do this and be like this and everybody else does it, but I'm better than them. I won't do it as bad as they do it. I won't do it as much as they do it. I'll be okay. And when you begin to think like that, you're losing your identity, aren't you? I am called to be a child of God. I'm not called to be like the rest of the world. And so the writer says, you know, you're not here forever. You don't belong here. You're a foreigner on this planet. People look at you like you are weird. People at times say you don't belong. And sometimes you don't belong to where they are. And sometimes we have these desires that begin to wage war with us, don't we? Desires that cause us to want to do things, go places, say things, act in ways that we know are not right. And Satan is trying to get you to forget who you are. Just blend in with everybody else. Just be like everybody else. Oh, you can be a Christian and still do all of this other stuff. It'll be okay. Nobody will ever know. He's stealing your identity. They wage war against your very souls. Hebrews chapter 11, talking about the people of faith. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. And they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. For if they had longed for the country where they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking forward to a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. I don't belong here. I belong there. I am not a citizen of earth. I am a citizen of heaven. My allegiance goes to heaven before anything else. I am excluded from this world. So let me just tell you a little something, and I'm going to try to say it as nicely as I can. Stop trying to fit in. Start trying to just represent God and be the light. Stop trying to be like everybody else. Stop comparing yourself with other people. That's not who we are. We're foreigners. We're aliens. We don't belong here. We're misfits. It's okay. Because deep inside of us, there's this part of us that wants to be like everybody else, isn't there? I mean, look at what they have. Look at what they do. Look at all the things they're getting by. Look at all that. Look at this. Look at this. You know, and for long, if you're not careful, you find yourself longing to be like that. And that is one of the ways Satan steals your identity. Why don't you just be like everybody else? Oh, you can still be a Christian and still do all that. It'll be okay. 
No. We're to be separate. We're to be different. First Peter earlier in First Peter chapter 1. Remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge the world according to what you do. You must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. We don't fit in. And friends, the farther this world keeps moving away from God, the more we're going to stick out. And the more it begins to deal with its theology of what it wants to say God is like and how we should act and how we should behave. The Bible says there's going to be a lot of people who are going to abandon the faith and chase after myths. That's not who I am. I'm a child of God and I am to be holy because God is holy. And I'm not to be like everybody else. I am to be different. And the enemy will try to get you to be different, but not that different. Okay? All right. I am to endure to the end. I am to endure to the end. Notice how Peter finishes up this little section. Notice what he says. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Now, this is not just the person next door to you. Your unbelieving neighbor is the people you work with. It's the people you come across during your daily activities. Remember the story of the man who was beaten and the Good Samaritan came by because it all started with, who's my neighbor? The neighbor is the person who you come across that is in need. Live properly among my unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. They will give honor to God when he judges the world. So I am called to be that example among people who don't believe, who don't agree, who I may have to come to a point sometime where I have to separate myself, where I don't participate in all that they do because I recognize that I am headed for another place because I'm in another world. I serve the kingdom of God above all else. And I do everything I can to honor him and I keep doing it. Romans chapter 12, verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable and do everything you can to live in peace with everyone. Well, how can I do that? You don't have to yell and scream. You don't have to get mad at people. You just consistently be the person God created you to be. You love people. Now, in loving people, there will be some people who don't like that. That's okay. I know who I am in Christ. And if they choose to reject that and not accept that, I'm sorry. I still love you. I still care for you, but I am going to be who God has called me to be. I am not who you say I am. I am not who you say I should be. 
I am going to be the person God has created me to be. James chapter 3. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. So I come to that place where I keep being obedient to God. But pastor, don't you ever get tired? Yeah, because the enemy will play on that one too, won't he? You know what? You're just weary. Why don't you just give this up for a while? You know, you've done your best. Why don't you just, come on, it's not really worth it. Why should you keep going on and being this way and being this way? And nobody else is. Why don't you just back away from it for a while? Why don't you just say, I'm so tired of dealing with it and just give up on it? He's trying to steal your identity, isn't he? 2 Thessalonians 1.11. Keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. And this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will give you everything you need. I will help you. I will not abandon you. I love you. I'll keep helping you. I forgive you. You're valuable to me. I'm going to use you no matter what happens. You're not like everybody else. That's okay. I don't expect you to be. I didn't create you to be that way. You live for a better place because you and I are looking forward to a time and to a day when Jesus Christ returns and we go home home. If you've ever traveled and you go away out of this country, there comes a moment when you're ready to go home. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. But we, in Philippians chapter 3, are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we're eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take these weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. That's who we are. That's our identity. It develops us. It helps us be the people God's called us to be. It defines us. It puts us in a place unlike any others. And Satan will do everything he can to get you away from this. He'll do everything he can to get you to think, I don't need to do that. It isn't critical. It isn't important. Nobody understands. Nobody knows what's going on. And the moment you let him steal your identity, as I said at the beginning, you begin to make bad choices. So it's very critical that you maintain your identity in God. Never forget, and just as in the world we live in today, protect your identity. No matter what the enemy says, no, this is who I am. No matter what somebody else might say, no, this is who I am. Because this is who I am, this is how I will live. Because that's what God wants me to do.
And I live in this world, but I know I don't belong in it. And I'm not looking for this world to get fixed. The Bible tells us that this world will just gradually keep getting worse and worse. And in the end, it will get worse and worse faster. I keep looking for the day when Jesus Christ will return. But until that day happens, I have the privilege of being an example and a light for God in the midst of the darkness. And I want my light to shine. So I'd ask you today, how are you doing with who you are, with your identity? Are you protecting it? Are you living up to it? Have you allowed the enemy to kind of cause you to lose it and steal it from you in certain ways, in certain places, certain times? What is it today you need to address? And maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Your identity is simply defined by you and maybe you're letting other people define it for you. Isn't it time that you let God define who you are and you give your life to him and let him be the one who determines you. Could we take a moment between us and God? Here we are, Lord. Help us. Direct us. Maybe there's an area you need to deal with. God, help me in this area. I know it's not what you want. Whatever it might be, would you just take a moment and ask God to help you in it before we have a prayer. Lord, today, we are not who this world says we are. We are not who other people say we are. Lord, sometimes we're not even the person we say we are. We are to be the people of who you say we are. So would you help us to live up to our identity in you? Would you help for us not to allow the enemy to come in and steal that from us? And then once it's gone, we have to spend days and months and years trying to make up. Lord, help us to know who we are in Christ. And we are who you say we are. We're created to do what you say you want to do with us. And we look forward to a place that is home. Thank you today for helping us know our identity and help us to do everything we can to live up to it, I pray. In thy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.